Principles of Economics, my complete guide to understanding economics, is now available in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook from safeddean.com, Amazon, and many more booksellers worldwide. And now, I am also teaching a course based on this book on my website, safeddean.com. Principles of Economics will run the whole academic year, from September to June, and will have a new lecture every two weeks, as well as weekly live online discussion seminars open to learners from all over the world and from all walks of life. Whether you're a student, a professional, or a retiree, you are making economic decisions every day, and this course will arm you with the wisdom of centuries of economists to improve your economic decision-making. You'll also get a free book of Principles of Economics if you sign up for the course. Go to safeddean.com and sign up now. The Bitcoin Standard Podcast is brought to you by Orange Pill App, the Bitcoin-only social network that connects you with high-signal Bitcoiners, events, and now merchants as well. If you're like me and can't stop talking about Bitcoin, you know how challenging it can be to talk to the no-coiners and how nice it is to talk to someone who gets you. With the Orange Pill app, you can find the Bitcoiners near you and they can replace the no-coiners in your life. You can organize events and meetups with local Bitcoiners and wherever you travel, you can meet up with local Bitcoiners all while being as anonymous as you like. So if you want to build your local network of Bitcoiners, find a Bitcoin meetup or merchants accepting Bitcoin, head over to orangepillapp.com to sign up or download the app from the App Store or Google Play Store and send me a DM so we can get connected. The Bitcoin Standard Podcast is brought to you by CoinKite. CoinKite are my favorite makers of Bitcoin hardware. They produce the legendary Open Dime, the first Bitcoin bearer asset, as well as the reliable cold card hardware wallet, the excellent stainless steel seed plates for storing your seed phrases, and the block clock. Now, CoinKite have produced the SATS card, a card the size of a credit card which can store Bitcoin and works great as a gift. CoinKite have just produced a limited edition gorgeous Bitcoin Standard SATS card, which carries the Bitcoin Standard logo, and you can get it from coinkite.shop slash Bitcoin Standard. Use the code Bitcoin Standard to get 5% off your purchase. This podcast is also brought to you by the Bitcoin Way, your professional Bitcoin IT team offering you personalized, secure, and comprehensive solutions for every step along your Bitcoin journey. The Bitcoin Way offer live concierge service to guide you with your Bitcoin cold storage, running your node, privacy best practices, inheritance planning, corporate strategy, and multi-sig solutions. They don't touch your coins, they guide you through the process of acquiring your coins and securing them. If you'd like to make your setup safer and more reliable, book a consult with them and see what they have to suggest. If you want to give someone the gift of Bitcoin, get them this professional service that will ensure they start off knowing exactly how to manage their coins and not lose them. Go to thebitcoinway.com and start Bitcoining more confidently. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Standard Podcast. In today's seminar, we got into a discussion of current European economics and politics. Currently, insane news is coming out of Europe about the state of the energy markets and the state of the financial markets and the state of pensions and retirees. So we're hearing stories about the energy shortage that is plaguing Europe because of the overinvestment in unreliable green energy And we are hearing as we record news about potential failure of the British pensions and the collapse of the value of pensions and the new intervention of the Bank of England. In today's seminar, we discuss these things in detail 
and we discuss what are the deep reasons that bring us to this point. So most of the analysis that you hear in your fiat media and fiat TV and fiat newspapers and fiat university is about, you know, things that happened today and yesterday in the last week, as if, you know, the world was born last week, as if uh, everything that happened before that has no consequence on the world that we live in today. But I think today we try and get into the deeper causes of it. And of course, if you're familiar with my work, you know that all of it goes back to fiat and goes back to the insanity that fiat uh, allows to happen. So I hope you enjoy this discussion. And if you would like to be part of these discussions, join as a member of safeindeen.com so you can take part in the discussions. I've been traveling to Germany the last days and I just went through the main train station in Munich and everywhere there are like those posters where, where they're already like, yeah, you don't need to use um, your washing machine anymore to dry your stuff. You can just dry them outside. Safe, safe energy. And it's crazy. Like anywhere you go in Germany right now, it's already pr like the narrative is going strong to, to save energy. And I, I saw it just on Twitter before, but now I'm like, I just saw it today and the whole main station is full of those things. And then it's like safe energy together, something like that. It's actually crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I, I tweeted this a few weeks ago. The Germany is uh, going to do deindustrialization with the same efficiency with which they've done industrialization. They're really impressive the way that they're going about it. Like they're just going to march straight back to the 12th century. And in the same way that, you know, they industrialized in the 19th century so quickly and so efficiently, they're going to deindustrialize. It's, uh, you know, nobody does things more efficiently than the Germans, <laughs> including deindustrialization. So it's going to be another beautiful illustration of German efficiency. <laughs> and the result is going to be horrific, man. This winter is just going to be terrible. I don't know what the f happen. It's insane. It's a bit difficult for me being in Germany to see the fun side of it. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot you're in the gulag. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. It's, 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 just, it's just going downhill so fast. And I've been pessimistic, and, and they still exceed in a negative sense, everything that was, I was expecting, really, it's going downhill so fast. If you see, if you look in the papers, if you see all the, the news every day, it's just, they're accelerating this every day. It's, it's just unbelievable. Like there's, there's just these, these, um, cliff you're heading towards and they're just going on the accelerator even harder every day. Yeah. It, it is really amazing. And now they're, They want to spend about 200 billion uh, euros on, on cutting energy prices. Yeah. Is their energy price break? That's what they call it. 200, probably 200 billion euros. It's just making everything worse every day. Yeah. And then the price controls are coming and that's going to be a lot of fun. The subsidies are going to be such a terrible idea. I mean, they're already all broke and then they're going to pay people to consume the thing that is scarce. And of course, you know, it wouldn't be complete unless you also tax the people that are producing the thing that is scarce. So let's pay people that are consuming energy to consume more energy. And let's tax people that are producing energy so that they can produce less energy. It's, it's insane. I mean, really, you like looking at Germany and the US and Canada, like, I, it's hard to escape the feeling that this is 
deliberate demolition of the economy. Like if there was an enemy of Germany, if there was somebody out there who hated Canada and the US and Germany, it's, it's hard to think of a more effective way of just messing the entire place up than uh, doing what they're doing. And the scary thing is that I don't think there is an enemy. Like even even if there is, you know, maybe China's doing this. And to some extent, I think there's clear evidence that Russia has been behind a lot of this green bullshit. You know, the Russians have promoted green hysterics in Germany and given them money and power so that they can have more influence on society so that you shut down German gas production and you make Germany reliant on Russia. You can posit all of these conspiracies. Yes, sure, true, maybe. But at the end of the day, nobody absolves you, you as an individual German uh, from the fact that you believe this bullshit or an individual Canadian. And the sad reality is a majority of Canadians and Germans, maybe not a majority of Americans, because clearly nowhere near a majority of Americans voted for Biden, but definitely a majority of Canadians and Germans are on board. And this is this is why it's completely pointless if you tell me, uh, well, oh no, it's, it's a big plot by the Russians or the Chinese or the World Economic Forum. It doesn't matter. The fucking German people themselves believe this bullshit. They think the earth is going to end because of CO2. And that's it. If you believe it, like you can't absolve yourself from the stupid things that you do by just saying, oh, other people are conspiring to do it to me. This is this is the same kind of stupid uh, conspiratorial mentality that you get with a lot of people who believe, you know, there's a big giant evil corporate conspiracy to poison our food. Those same people eat the same food that is poisoned. You know, they walk into the supermarket and they buy the plastic crap and they go home and they eat it and then they bitch and moan about how... Uh, Monsanto is poisoning their food. You know, this is the kind of Nassim Talib uh, school of being a complete despicable piece of shit, which is you go around and you eat the crap and then you complain about Monsanto <laughs> poisoning your crap. You know, you want to eat industrial, highly processed waste and you want to, you know, you, you live in New York in the winter and you want to eat summer uh, fruits. You want to have your mangoes available at the grocery store next door so that you can pick them up. But then you want to complain that Monsanto, which is the only way to make these mangoes available for you, and the only way to make your disgusting pasta available for you so that you can get fat, is to make them through modern industrial agriculture techniques. And it's, it's, it's so childish. It's the same level of brain damage of the ones who think... We want to have modern electricity and modern computing and modern semiconductors, but we don't want to use fossil fuels. It's the same thing. You want to eat pasta and mangoes and strawberries in winter in uh, Canada and Germany. You can't grow it locally and organically in a clean way like your great-great-great-grandmother used to grow her vegetables. Your great-great-great-grandmother didn't have any of that shit. She made do with the cow that was next to her. You know, they had a cow and they occasionally ate a few of whatever plants grew around them. But today they want to eat this heavily processed, heavily industrial stuff. They want to be addicted to sugar. They want to convince themselves that the sugar is not bad. But they want to engage in activism against Monsanto, which is the only people that can make this available for you. And... <laughs> This is why I truly detest these fucking morons so much because nobody is forcing you to eat this. You don't have to eat it. You can just eat the meat from your local farmer 
and just not have anything to do with these people. Nobody's forcing you to do it. Why do you do it? Because you are a little bitch with zero willpower and you can't control yourself. And so you just follow your um, most base desires and you do whatever it is that you feel like doing, like a little animal that is just following its instinct. And then instead of letting your brain control your body, instead of The syllabus for my new online economics course, Principles of Economics, is now available on safeddean.com. The course will take place over 18 lectures, each based on one chapter from my new book, Principles of Economics, which will be available for free as an ebook for everyone registering for the course. Lectures will be released once every two weeks on Mondays, starting on the 25th of September, 2023, and will be available in video and audio format. Live discussion seminars will be held once a week on Thursdays at alternating time slots, 12 hours apart, to ensure learners can attend from all over the world. I'm happy to announce that I have set up my new publishing house and online bookstore, The Safe House, which will be publishing and delivering the best Bitcoin and Austrian economics books worldwide in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook formats. Go to thesafehouse.com to buy my latest book, Principles of Economics, as well as the Fiat Standard and the Bitcoin Standard. And now I'm also publishing Fiat Food, Matthew Lishak's amazing investigation into how inflation ruined our diet and health. And I'm also publishing Lynn Alden's Broken Money, her masterful exploration of the failures of the global financial system and how Bitcoin fixes it. This is a Bitcoiner's bookshop, so the books are printed in beautiful cloth hardcover made to last with an ice-colored dust jacket on top. Go to thesafehouse.com and get yours now. Evolving from an animal that is driven by their animal instincts into a human being that has reason driving them and controlling their instinct, you use the shit between your ears in order to lash out at others. <laughs> you know? No, let's not think about how do I stop myself from eating Monsanto poison? How do I stop myself from living in the dark? No, I'm going to keep eating Monsanto poison. I'm going to keep demanding that we get green energy, but I'm going to use my brain to rationalize why this is the fault of some evil conspiracy that is out there to destroy this. You know, it's the evil oil companies that don't want to make renewable energy economical. It's the evil Saudis. It's the evil Exxon. It's the evil Russians. It's the evil Chinese. It's some other evil people are forcing you to continue to abide by the rules of thermodynamics <laughs> of the universe. And you are so completely helpless about it. And that's why you need to be an activist. And that's why you need to demand things. It's, 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 it's that mentality that is just so pathetic. It's amazing. You know, one thing that is real shocking here in, in Germany, I don't know, Derek, is that's your impression as well. It's how also detached from reality the, the politicians are. There was a, like two, three weeks ago, there was a press conference in the, in the official government building. It was an appointed council of experts who were analyzing the risk of blackouts for the upcoming winter. And basically, the guys, they are the experts reading the results and saying, well, there is pretty much a certainty we're going to have blackouts. But if we kept the, the, all, the last three nuclear plants we have open, then this chance would re be reduced to like 10%, 20%. And there's the, the Minister of Energy and, and Economics, this Habe guy, like literally three meters from him, sitting next to him, 
And then he comes to the ward and he says, well, we are not, we're going to close them anyway because the effect is negligible. And it's like, dude, 30 seconds ago, the guy with an actual background in the industry and degree has just said to the whole country that he makes dramatic influence. Why? He's like there, like wearing a mask, no expression at all. And two minutes later, he just uh, grabs the microphone and says, now we're going to close them anyway because it doesn't really matter. And it's like, I mean, you're I heard that at that moment. Yeah, I, it was at this conference, but I heard that somebody say, "Well, it's not going to make a big difference because it's really small," which is truly criminally insane to say that. Because that was the the minister of uh, energy and economy, who is the vice president as well, vice chancellor, the guy who re- read the report two minutes before said something pretty funny. Which is amazing because I mean, at the end, when there is a crisis, when there is a problem, at the margin. I mean, every tiny little bit counts and makes a huge difference. So like adding 5%, 1% at the margin is a huge, 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 huge difference. The idea that it's not big is ridiculous because, you know, the value when, when, when it's end of January, the days are short, there's no sunlight and everything is falling apart and people are starving. Like a tiny little bit of increase in the energy, 1% makes a huge difference. It's a difference between life and death for a lot of people. So saying that it's just not large, is just criminal. And it's, it's amazing like how these people have managed to be in positions of power. It's such a depressing thing about the world in general that it really feels like, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that has this kind of plot, but it's, it's like a plot that's in my mind. Imagine... Imagine a family that was living in a house and then, you know, the adults die and then the children take over and the children have no idea how to do anything in the house. This is, this is exactly what places like Germany and the U.S. look like now. You know, it's a, it's a bunch of children who know how to work the thing superficially. You know, they know how to open the fridge and get a water from it and drink it. They don't know how to pay the bills. They don't know how to keep the house running. They don't know how to make the infrastructure make uh, sense. They don't know how to make anything work. And so the whole thing is just falling apart. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's children. Like how does somebody like that end up in a position of being able to shut down power plants in Germany? Where are the adults? How, who are the people who built those plants? And why, why aren't they... Why didn't they leave adults in charge? That's really the question. Like, how is it that California is a great example? So, for instance, Michael Schellenberger, you may have heard of him. We've shared his work here a lot. He talks about energy in California. And he's like a Democrat progressive guy, but he's pro-nuclear and anti-corona, anti-climate hysteria. And he says, like, in, in, in California's energy sector, like the energy companies have spent the last 10 years doing diversity and sexual orientation training instead of investing in critical infrastructure. They're telling everybody about the green crisis and the need to move to wind and solar. They've spent all of their research, all of their investment, instead of maintaining the stuff that they have that works, the gas and nuclear plants that they have that work, they're going out there and just dismantling it and replacing it with solar and wind and diversity training and sexual orientation and inclusivity training. And so instead of having actual grown-up engineers, you know, people who know how to make things work, who run those things and manage them, you've got a bunch of clowns. You've got clowns. Like you've got 
children who just think this thing just works because it's there and it works and we just need to turn up and make this thing less racist and less sexist and less carbon emitting and they completely have no understanding of the fact that it doesn't just work we weren't born into an earth that comes with nuclear plants pre-installed and you just need to manage them nuclear plants are not like the sea and the rivers and then the mountains they're not just there we have to construct them through millennia of technological advancement to develop the tools and the machines that are required in order to dig up the fuel and dig up the resources and build this thing and nobody nobody seems to understand that they're just watching it all fall apart it's amazing whether it's in germany or in all of europe same thing like the, the amount of money that's been spent on wind energy is just incredible i i knew that it was bad but something like in the range of 500 billion dollars have been spent on this i mean in germany alone in Not germany alone in the entirety of the eu Right, it's just Germany alone really has spent more than 500 billion. It's insane, with 500 billion dollars, I mean, you could have 10x the current capacity of everything that Germany has on gas and also have free gas production. Like you could have spent all of that money, you know, like if you were gonna spend 500 billion dollars of government, the government could have built 10x as much gas generation capacity. And it could be making, there's natural gas in Germany. The reason they don't produce natural gas is not that because it doesn't exist. There's natural gas everywhere. The reason they don't produce is because they're fucking insane green hysterics. But you could be producing, with all the money of wind, you could be giving everybody in Germany free unlimited electricity every day. I don't think it was a good idea because if you give something for free, the thing is going to fall apart. But... It's definitely a better idea than wind because, you know, with wind, at least, you're just wasting the money and there's no electricity. But that's enough money to give everybody in Germany lifetime electricity for free, endless. You know, whatever it is that you want to do, uh, want to build a flying car, go ahead, build a flying car. We've got enough energy to give you free flying cars, whatever. It, it's an enormous amount. Like, it's the cost of making a gas plant is about... $500 per kilowatt. That's roughly the cost for a gas plant. It's incredibly cheap. So um, if you did, I, I measured the other day, I was doing the numbers for Britain. You could build gas plants for all of Britain. You know, imagine Britain wants to start from scratch. They want to get rid of everything that they have today. $25 billion, you build gas plants for all of Britain. Everything. That's it. Then, like from scratch, $25 billion. And yet every year they pay $5 billion for wind. Okay, amazing. Like in five years of subsidies for wind, you could just make full gas plant capacity for all of Britain for an entire year, for, for forever. Well, not forever, but I mean, that's all that they need right now, 50 like $25 billion is nothing compared to what they spend on wind. Now, that's not even counting the solar and the biofuels and all of the other insane bullshit. So really, when you count all the other insane bullshit, really, it's three years of subsidies that you need in order to build all of the capacity that a place like Britain needs. It's, it's, it's insane that we're at this point. It's insane that it's been normalized. It's insane that people aren't rioting in the streets about the fact that they've spent so much fucking money on these crazy, crazy green scams and nothing has come out of it. 
I mean, the, the fact uh, I've always wondered really that that the the leaders of these big companies uh, in Germany, for example, really do not go into absolute opposition to this is probably their time preference, because they are not the owners of it. They are just there for a certain amount of years. They they get elected for the next four or five years, like any politician. And so they think really, what, what's the best really for me in for, for the next four five to five years? Yeah, What do I need to do? Then you, you do this diversity stuff and you think about green energy and you do everything that's spoken and right and, and, and makes you popular yeah, with, with, with the politicians. But if you're the owner of a company and you have a long time horizon that you, because you want to hand it over to the next generation and, and, and their children, yeah, at some point you do make completely different uh, choices. But um, there are very few companies uh, who are run by their owners. And that's, that's what you see if you work for, for one of these big companies, you just see how they run. It's, it's just... The people at the top are the ones who have the least interest in the the well being of the company. Yeah, least invested. Really, every little uh, handyman or whatever they they called works for for the facilities department or whatever is is more interested and more focused on 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 the company and the well being of the company and the long term well being than than the people at the top. It's it's it is amazing. Um, but but that's that's the way it is. Um, I, I, that that was was one of the the first big realizations I had really when I started working for 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 big companies. Yeah, that the the people at the top are not interested in in the long term uh, success of the company. It doesn't mean anything to them. If if they even if they fail, they get a big payout. You you, you could hear them talking about the payout they could generate really if if they they fail. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing here is in the fiat standard, I discussed this in the case of the soil. So once you don't have money that is good, that can hold its value into the future, then you discount the future more. And so you don't really care about the quality of your soil 10 years from now, because 10 years from now, you have a high discount rate for what's going to happen 10 years from now. So short-term management becomes more and more rational the more you discount the future. So if you really care about the future, you would graze cattle and rotate crops on your land so that you can keep the land healthy 20 years from now. If you don't care about the world 20 years from now because you have a high time preference because you live in fiat clown world, then you don't really care about rotating cattle. So what do you care about most is making a big buck today. So what do you do then with your land? You asset strip. You take all of the nutrients that are in the land, all the health in the land, and you convert it into cash crops today so that you can get a big payout today. And then if you do that for a few years, you make a big payout for the next few years, but then in a few years time, the land will be dead. So now the land is no longer profitable, but you don't care about a few years from now, you're asset stripping, you have high time preference. And you can apply the same analysis to corporations. This is the same thing that you see happening with corporations, because with corporations, what you see is, it's, it's the same thing, like there is a huge incentive to asset strip corporations. And this is what you see all across, you know, you see it in the, in, in the quality of the product that begins to decline. You know, nobody makes good quality things anymore. Everything falls apart within a few weeks or a few months. Things don't last long because why would you build things that last long when people don't care about the long term? They just need things today. And similarly, why would you care about the health of the company in the long term? 
if you can be CEO for five years, during those five years, your goal is to maximize the wealth of the company that you can extract during those five years rather than the health of it. And this is, this is, this is corporate world over the last uh, 50 years, increasingly, because high time preference, less focus on the future, and a strong incentive to asset strip. Can you get a big payout out of the company today? How can you get a big payout of the company today? Well, the most obvious way, obviously, is to stop accumulating savings for the company and to start accumulating debts. So that's why everybody gets into debt. And the more debt you get into, obviously, the more fiat you can generate, the more you benefit from that. So you notice another aspect of it is not, it's not just like, you know, the, 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 the green hysterics and the sexuality and diversity bullshit that is taking over the corporate world is really a symptom of the bigger problem, which is that there isn't a grown up adult in the room who's thinking about the benefits and costs of these activities rationally, who's thinking about the long-term health of the company. When you don't have that long-term health of the company as the driver and the motivator of the people in charge, then you're going to get all of these essentially high time preference rats nibbling at the crops that you have. It's just asset stripping all the way. It's just how do we take advantage of things? in the short term to benefit us, not worrying about the long term. And like everybody says this, you know, even if you listen to like the most leftist kind of critique of capitalism, to the extent that confused leftist idiots have any kind of intelligent thing to say, it is usually a critique of high time preference fiat. But because they don't understand economics, they don't understand how anything in the world works. They have a very childish idea of how the world works. In their mind, this is just evil capitalism. All oh, people are just looking to make money. You know, the people in charge of the company are just looking to make money and that's why they're selling it. Well, no, well, the company was built in order to make money. And the reason that this company was good at some day was because it was building money. Why now has making money switched from being a good thing to a bad thing? And the reason is time preference. The reason is just modern management is focused on all of these insane things that matter in the short run. Frank is sharing a link where the president of Sempra Energy, a major natural gas trader in the US, threw his industry under the bus supporting San Diego, where Sempra is headquartered, natural gas ban. So San Diego is implementing a natural gas ban. And yeah, the natural gas industry will side with that. It's insane. BP, British Petroleum, has rebranded. It now calls itself BP Beyond Petroleum. Exxon, Chevron, all of these companies. I mean, we joke about being fans of these companies because they produce the important things that we need for our life. They produce these critical infrastructure. But the insane people at the top for most of these companies have just become hysterical carbon idiots who are there to asset strip the company. And they're out there making the, 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 these, all these idiotic noises about the green transition and protecting the weather and fixing the climate. It's, it's absolutely insane. And the reason for it is because these companies don't rely for their survival on their customers. There's no more short, you know, how do we make sure that we can sell gas and oil to our customers 20 years from now? That's just not something that matters to any of these companies. The people in charge, they know where their bread is buttered and their bread is buttered from above, not from below, not from the clients. It's buttered from the financials. It's buttered from the people who can give you low interest rate credits. And in order to get low interest rate credits, you need to play along with the 
fiat mafia and whatever fiat mafia agenda is dominant now. And now the fiat mafia agenda is high time preference, asset stripping, green hysteria. And so that's how you end up with BP and Exxon and Chevron and all of these companies paying lip service for insane green hysteria stuff. That's the really silly thing. I think it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like the, the people in charge of those companies that we rely upon are telling us, Hey, we would like to end our industry. We want to pivot from the critical infrastructure that makes the world possible back to basically children's swings and slides. You know, we're going to replace giant nuclear reactors and gas, natural gas plants. We're going to replace them with windmills, seventh century technology. And, 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 and the amazing thing about what Bitcoin does is that it fixes this because it finds a way to finance these companies without them having to rely on the fiat money printer, without them having to rely on the fiat mafia, without them having to go and kiss BlackRock ass in order to get financing, because you can just mine Bitcoin. You don't need to worry about that world. You just mine Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. In the long run, that works out much better than all of these insane things that people are doing. I mean, I guess in the long run, that's just going to be the way that the company survives. So like, you know, BP wants to continue to virtue signal, green signal, hysteria signal is more accurate. If they want to continue to hysteria signal, they're just going to go bankrupt. And companies that hold Bitcoin are going to do much better. Uh, I'm curious uh, from folks in Germany, what they're, what people are saying about Nord Stream leaks. I think that the media still tries to bring forward experts forward. Uh, who, who think that that it uh, can only have been Russia, um, which I think is ridiculous because I think that the NATO knows really about everything going on really in 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 the Baltics. Really, yeah? I think uh, no, they 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 know every fish by name or number yeah? in 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 the Baltics, and and, uh, and now they they wouldn't really know that that the, the the Russians blow up their own pipeline where they've invested a huge amount of money in which they can use really actually to motivate or push um, Europe in particular Northern European countries into ending the 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 sanctions yeah. Because that is their big leverage, really, their gas. And they, they would destroy their own lever. They would destroy their, their, their own infrastructure. I think that that is absolutely ridiculous. And But, but you see the, the, how, how the media works. Um, they all, it, it, whatever the, 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 the preferred narrative is, they, they will support it. And, and very few media outlets will, will question it. But I, I, I can't see really that there is a remote chance that the Russians really have inflicted that on themselves. It, it must have been, and, and, and there, there have been an, enough announcements really that, that the, the, the US will not let the Nord Stream 2 go ahead and, and that they would destroy it. Um, they, they've announced it, Biden has said it uh, early February. And I think that there's no way really that, that anyone else uh, could have gotten away with it but will be interesting to see the reactions yeah because uh, initially really uh, the EU and 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 uh, various states have said really that those who are responsible will be held accountable yeah that will get very difficult at the moment it turns out really that there is no other way than or no other chance than the the US have done it or at least behind it uh, are involved in it um what, what they want to go going to do 
do they really want to start with sanctions in that way? No way. They, they, will, they will just let it drop. Do you think generally, though, people are buying the, what the media is trying to sell or people are are they going along with it or are they? Mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's always difficult to 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 judge that because you, you live in your that's their own bubble. You you know people, and most of the people I'm communicating with do not believe this for a second. Really, that that uh, the Russians are behind it. Then you see really the the, the big media outlets and and the, the public media is 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 certainly supporting that that the message that that it was all Putin. Yeah? Whatever happened, it, it was uh, done by Putin. But. Um, I think it is ridiculous to to believe that. I I don't really have any kind of insight on how and why this thing happened, but I think regardless of who did it, uh, the, the the fact that an entire continent is so reliant on one little pipeline is the problem. It's, the problem is not that the pipeline was blown up. The problem was that this one little pipeline from Russia to Europe is such a critical deal. That's the problem. The reason we got to that point is because of decades of insane, insane, criminal, green hysteria. And it's just, it's really time that more and more people stopped playing along with these fucking idiots who want to fix the weather by starving your children. It's just, there's no other way around it. It's it's not like nature has meant for there to be uh, and, and, and a reliance of Europeans on this one pipeline. That's the real issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's that de- dependence. Yeah, you do not want to. You want to diversify with with anything you are very dependent on um, as much as possible. Yeah, you do not want to be dependent on on one farmer or on one supermarket or on one this or one that with with anything you need. In particular, energy, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's also strange to, to, to try to, rather than build a nuclear plant right next to your city, trying to pipe gas from 1,200 miles away from someone that you sometimes say is your enemy. It's like, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Indeed. Any thoughts on what's going on in the UK? Oh yeah, because they know they have government bonds, and um, so the, the rumor is that that they're res- basically rescuing some banks, yeah, with all of this. Well, it's and, not a rumor. This is yeah. uh, it's very clear. I mean, they said it that basically BlackRock would have uh, had a bad quarter. <laughs> so clearly, we must sacrifice uh, more young children in order to make sure that that doesn't happen. But yeah, I mean, it's. it's like this is what everybody had been saying from the beginning. And like, if you remember, I, I think it took longer. For me, I was surprised that they tightened this much. I, th- I didn't think that they could last with the tightening this long. I thought they'd do it briefly. And then uh, as soon as uh, things started to look bad, then they'd reverse. I must admit, I was surprised how long it took for this to happen. Now we've seen the first central bank blink you know it's it's like in a game of chicken where you're just staring at each other and then once one person blinks well now we've seen the first person blink and uh, you know like it wasn't the unemployment it wasn't the destruction of jobs and businesses it wasn't uh, any of that stuff all of that is just a perfectly acceptable price to pay 
But, you know, once it came to the point where it could have hurt banks, I mean, of course, trying to be fair here, but it wasn't just that it was BlackRock. Um, of course, the, the reason BlackRock manages to become so important is that they hold everybody's pensions. And so if they go down, they take you with them. And so that's why they can't go down. So it's, it's such, a, such a powerful scam that you hold everybody's wealth and therefore you, and, and you hold it in a way wherein you have to constantly be paid tons of money in order to manage it and hold it. And that way, no matter how much you mess up, no matter how incompetent you are, you will always get bailed out because you have everybody hostage. And that's, that's what a monopoly does. That's not what a banking monopoly does. That's what any monopoly does. Like This is what the uh, electricity company monopoly does in Lebanon. You can't build another alternative electricity company on the free market. So you have, you have to be stuck with this one. So if we fail, the entire country fails. Well, if, uh, so basically you have to keep bailing them out. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. Apparently, you know, things, people were saying that a lot of Britain's pensions would have been wiped out yesterday without this intervention, which I think is entirely plausible. But I think the other aspect of it is that, you know, the, the fact that they didn't get wiped out, I mean, it doesn't mean that the central bank just clicked a button and now everything is back together. It's not like, you know, Humpty Dumpty was about to fall and now we just saved it. No, uh, we didn't just save it. We, we broke a bigger Humpty Dumpty and that bigger Humpty Dumpty is the dollar, is the pound. So now I think, you know, the, the, the pain is going to continue for the pound. But brings us back to the next point, which is, I think, uh, what we're going to see next is probably something like the Plaza Accord, as we were discussing with Caitlin a couple of days ago. That's where I see this going, in that it's just going to mean a lot more destruction for the um, pound and the yen and all the other major currencies and non-major currencies. They're all, they're all going to have to intervene in their bond markets to save their retirees. And that's just going to destroy their currencies. And everybody's going to run away from their currencies to the US dollar. So that's going to place the US dollar in the position of being kingmaker, as we discussed with Caitlin, in that they can just go and decide who gets to live and die. So this is where the US monetary power translates to real power. You know, you control the monetary lifeline for everybody. And now you can just decide who you want to stay and who you want to leave. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I don't think it's pretty. I think it's, it, it, it's got 2007 vibes. You know, we've saved the bank. And remember how that happened. Like it started off with, oh, we're going to save. They let Lehman fail and then, uh, oh, no, we can't let all the others fail. So then they started bailing them out. And then it was just 15 years, well, 14 years of one bailout after the other, or maybe 13 years, one bailout after the other in QE and more QE and more QE. And that just, it continues to get worse. So when you tell the market that I'm going to protect this from crashing, you're telling people to sell this thing because you're just going to keep buying more of it. So they're just going to keep shorting it and throwing more pressure on you. Like the idea that you could just go and, you know, save the market by just buying those things is so naive. It's so idiotic that clearly, you know, you have to be fiat educated to believe it. You can't just save things from free. Like if the central bank isn't magic, they can't just make money out of nowhere and save everything. It's got to have to come from somewhere. There is a cost to everything. So where is this going to come from? 
structuring of the currency. So in a sense, yeah, you, you're going to keep your savings and you're going to keep your bonds and your pensions are going to remain uh, in good shape, but <laughs> you're going to be getting paid in a worthless shitcoin. So congratulations. And there is, you know, here you want to feel sorry for people, but at the same time, you know, if you wanted to retire without starving, maybe you shouldn't have lent your money to a bunch of murderous sociopaths so that they could go around murdering foreigners, buying elections, and enriching banks. I mean, it's like, I know most people don't think that that's what they're doing. They just go along with what they're told. And like, yes, for the vast majority of people, um, this is how they go along with life. And you can kind of feel cruel about thinking this is, um, this is what's going to happen to you because you're an idiot and you just went along with what they told you in your TV and university and school. But um, at the same time, I mean, look, actions have consequences. You chose to go along with these criminal morons. You chose to give them your money. You chose to subsidize this stuff. You chose to most likely vote for these people. And when I say these people, you know, not any one particular political party or one particular uh, government in the last year or five or 10 or 20. If you're part of this political system, you know, anybody who's been involved, anybody who's been in power, anybody who's, in the case of the UK, I mean, anybody who's in parliament, like there isn't a single libertarian, I think, in parliament in the UK that would say we need to cut the NHS. I mean, I, I don't think there's ever been a, a prominent UK politician who says we need to shut down the NHS. So if you think, you know, you want the NHS, if you think the NHS is a good idea, if you think the NHS is not a criminal organization, the bill is coming home today. This is what's going to happen. I mean, it's just, that's how the world's going to work. You're going to pay the price for your stupid decisions. You could have invested in other things. You could have held other things. But like if you chose to lend to these governments so that they can keep their Ponzi going, don't be surprised that when you gave them your money, they didn't prioritize your well-being. I mean... A lot of people opposed the foreign wars that Britain uh, engaged in. Not everybody, but uh, many of them did oppose it. But um, most people did not oppose the bailouts of banks. They did not oppose quantitative easing. They did not oppose expansionary fiscal policy and expansionary monetary policy. And they did not oppose, I think, the most important thing, like the real cancer at the heart of the destruction of savings. This is the thing that nobody will touch. Nobody will say this in Britain is the NHS. The biggest problem in Britain is the NHS. It's a criminal organization that's destroying people's health by telling them to eat industrial waste so that they get sick, so that they go to the NHS, and so that the NHS needs more and more funding and financing. It's like every society has its gods and has its religions, and in Britain it's the NHS. And you know, the, the Church of England is essentially uh, completely irrelevant in the lives of the vast majority of British people. The religion itself is kind of dead in England. It's a very, well, I should say um, Christian religion is dead in England, but it's still a very religious society. But the religion they have is the NHS. Everybody thinks the NHS is the uh, most important thing. And, you know, if you say anything bad about the NHS, you're just completely ostracized in society. Right? Uh, I've said these things in front of English people and I've been looked at like I'm, 
the reincarnation of uh, Hitler in front of them. Like, what? You don't think it's a good idea that we spend half of our money on um, free healthcare? Half of our income goes to free healthcare. You don't think that's a good idea? Free healthcare is amazing. And of course, you know, it's, uh, it, it's not amazing. It's, it's horrific. Um, the quality of their care is terrible. It's enormously, enormously expensive. People think it's free because they don't pay for it directly. But of course, it's, it's not free. You pay for it enormously through the taxes and through the destruction of your pensions. So ask yourself, you know, would you have been better off if your pensions had survived? You had your own money and the NHS was forced to compete on the market for your business. And then you had a free market in healthcare and then the NHS would have had to win your business over. So when you get sick, you can go to your hospital or the other hospital and they both have to compete by becoming more economical and more effective in treating you. But what do you know? Hey, I mean, people people really believe that there is a free lunch and this, this is what it comes down to. And I think it's, it's, it's devastating, but this is, the, this is the end result. You know, here we are. I mean, even, even now that after they've saved uh, the bonds, you know, the bonds are still massively uh, down. Uh, people's savings are massively down and uh, inflation is going to take care of the rest. There is no free lunch. There is no free lunch. And that's, that's the thing. You, know, the, you, you want to believe that we can just have free healthcare if the government just passes a law. No, there isn't. If it's free, you are the product. If you're getting it for free, you are the product. You are what they're selling. And this is the reality of the NHS. The NHS does not work for you. The NHS works for the pharmaceutical industry and for the medical equipment industry. And it works to their benefit. It gets you sick. It tells you to eat garbage. It tells you to continue to eat six to 10 uh, ratios of grain per day. That's still their advice. You can check it out on their website. Tells you to eat six to 11 rations of grain every day. And it tells you to continue to support the NHS. I mean, a big part of the NHS budget is on NHS propaganda and to just continue to uh, support uh, it and to continue to pay for it. In reality, it's just, it's, it's not cheap. All that it does is that it creates a monopoly that prevents them from having to be competitive on the market. And therefore it makes all of their products enormously more expensive because nobody's paying for them directly. So nobody cares, nobody pays attention to the prices. And then you really, you get scammed into normalizing the idea that we need to spend, I don't even know what the number is in Britain, 20 or maybe percent of our income on free healthcare. It's not rocket science. Healthcare is not something that should be this expensive. I, and I keep going back to this surgery center in Oklahoma. It's called the Oklahoma Surgery Center. And it's a, it's, it's a great institution. It's, it's, a, it's a hospital that was built by doctors who decided they're just going to completely opt out of all government intervention in the medical system. And it's just going to be individual doctors uh, in, in the hospital doing surgeries. And they will only take payment in cash. There's no insurance, no Medicare, no Medicaid, nothing. You want to get a surgery done, you go and you tell them, or I need a hip replacement. And they give you the exact price down to the dollar. They tell you your hip replacement is going to cost this much before you go in. And then you go in and you get the hip replacement and then you just pay and you're done. That's it. And the prices are astonishingly cheap. This is the thing. People have been scammed by the NHS and by public healthcare into imagining that 
you know, a hip replacement is some kind of impossible mission like launching a rocket to the moon. It's not. It's really not. There's a doctor and he needs a couple of scissors and he needs a few machines that can be used for many, many years. And he cuts you open and he does his thing and he goes along and, and, and he's done and then he gets paid. And <laughs> that's it. It's not expensive. In fact, let me dig up the prices. Yeah, this is, I mean, they call themselves the free market loving price displaying state of the art surgery center. And it's, it's really incredible. If you've ever been to the medical system in the US, you know that it's impossible to get a price. I don't know if we've discussed it in one of the seminars before. Look at this. So you just go on the website. This is completely insane. The idea that surgery can just be a good like every other. Look at this. Surgery pricing. They have a body of a human being from front and back, and then they have the head. And you can just pick whatever part of the body you need to get operated. So let's go with knee, for instance. Here, knee. Choose procedure category, knee. Choose procedure or surgery. There's all these procedures that can be done on your knee. Let's see, anterior cruciate ligament repair, $7,931. That's it. You pay $7,931 and you get your cruciate ligament repaired. Now, the funny thing is, well, it's not funny, it's tragic. If you did go through Medicare and Medicaid, uh, Medicaid and insurance and the regular uh, fiat um, uh, medical uh, mafia. It's first of all, the most important thing is that it's impossible to get a price. You can't just go to the hospital and tell them how much is this going to cost me? They'll tell you, we don't know. We're going to see, we're going to find out. We, we don't deal with, you know, you can't talk to anybody who deals with billing and they'll just tell you, we'll see, we'll send the billing. It's between you and your insurance company. And I know this, I had surgery. Uh, this was my first experience with a medical system in the U S when I was in the U S in 2008, I had surgery in my ankle. I had a soccer injury and I needed to get a surgery and it wasn't major surgery. Um, but I went to the doctor and he said, you need surgery. And I thought, all right, well, I have insurance, but I'd heard stories about, uh, you have insurance, but insurance doesn't cover everything. So I asked the doctor, <laughs> like an innocent little child. So how much will I have to pay? And he looked at me like I'm a zombie. Like, what are you talking about? So you don't ask doctors those questions. Um, go ask your insurance company. So I call the insurance company and I tell them, hey, the doctor says I need to get this ankle surgery. How much will I have to pay? And I knew like I had insurance, but I'd heard stories and I was a graduate student at that time. So like I needed to budget very carefully for this. I couldn't just go and have surgery and see what happens. I wanted to know exactly how much I was going to pay. And the insurance company basically said, we have no idea. Ask your doctor. So I go back to the doctor's office. And again, same thing. We don't know. Ask your insurance company. Then eventually I went to the doctor's office, you know, after playing ping pong, you know, call this guy, call that company, call this office, call that, whatever. I went to the doctor's office and I told the doctor and I told the secretary, I'm not leaving until you and the insurance company give me a number. I need to know exactly how much I'm going to pay. And so I had the doctor's secretary call the insurance company and I had them um, try and figure it out. And then they told me, all right, we'll get back to you. And then in a few days, indeed, they did get back to me and they gave me an estimate of how much this is going to cost. And it was somewhere, I don't remember the exact numbers that they gave me, but it was somewhere around 400 to $500, I think, or 300 to $500. They said, this is what you're going to be having to pay. I said, all right, well, that's 
fine. So then I went ahead and I had the surgery and then the bills start coming in. And the end result was that the bills were approximately 10 times what they told me. I don't remember the exact number because it just kept coming in. Oh, this is the bill for the anesthesia. That's not included in the three $500 that you said. There's a part of that that's not covered by insurance. And this is the bill for this thing or that thing. And this is the bill for the drugs that we wanted to put you on. The heroin effectively that they were gave, giving me. Uh, I'm not sure if it's heroin or whatever it is. I think it was Oxycontin. And the, the, it's just bill after bill after bill after bill. And it was like 10 times the money that they gave me. And this was this was 15 years ago, 14 years ago. So prices have gone up significantly. So I'm sure even the same surgery would be higher now. But the really incredible thing about the Surgery Center of Oklahoma is that they, and, and I've heard an interview with one of the founders of the place on Econ Talk. And he says that, so a lot of their customers will tell them that the cost for paying for the surgery out of pocket at the Oklahoma Surgery Center, at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, is higher than what they would have had to pay as a copay with their insurance. So you're paying, or you and your employer are paying, let's say, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 a year for your medical insurance to cover your surgery. And then you go and you want to get the surgery. You know, here it's $7,931. When you go through the Fiat insurance um, system, the cost of the surgery is uh, $95,000. And the insurance will cover most of it. And so you end up paying $15,000 only. <laughs> if you just pay cash, it ends up being cheaper. This is the truly mind-blowing thing. So if you tell people that you could actually get anterior cruciate ligament repaired for $7,900, they'll think you're crazy. You know, you get a, let's see, what else? A hamstring repair. Yeah, $6,671. Let's look at... Eye surgery, maybe ear surgery, ear tube removal, $1,730. Cardiovascular surgery, let's see, heart surgery. Let's look at cardiovascular. It's not giving me the drop down menu for some reason. Let's see, ankle replacement, $14,940 for full ankle replacement. I mean, these prices are just absolutely incredible. Nobody would imagine that this is what they pay in their healthcare system. And you just pay that in cash and you're done. Whereas if you were going through the fiat system, the, you would pay probably more, even though you're covered with insurance. And this is the thing that I think, you know, this whole long is just to get back to the point that nothing is more expensive than things that are free. Nothing is more expensive than free. Expe free is the most expensive thing. So when you hear that the NHS is free, or when you hear that, you know, my insurance is helping cover my medical bills. If you think that you're getting 95% of your medical bill taken care of by insurance, you should realize that 95% is covered because the price has been jacked up 25x. So you're actually paying even higher. You know, that's, that's how it works. If you're not paying the full price, that means that the provider can keep jacking up the price and you don't care. So they're just going to keep increasing the price to the point where you can pay. So if this thing costs $15,000, they're going to get the $15,000 out of you one way or the other. And then if you bring in the insurance company and you bring in all of that stuff, you're just adding more things that you're going to be paying for, either directly from your pocket or through your taxes or through fiat inflation. So it's... <laughs> It's, it's insane because people have been 
programmed to think that, oh, wow, you know, medicine is just this enormously expensive thing that would bankrupt us all if we didn't have the government managing it, which is the dirtiest, stupidest psyop out there. Because no, medicine is just another thing that gets done. Doctors are not uh, superhuman aliens that we need to recruit from other planets in order to bring here so that they can uh, do a job on you. Doctors don't have to be this expensive. And they go to medical school and they learn a few tricks and then they can do them on you. And that's it. It doesn't have to be this expensive. But all of the subsidies and the interventions in the system, all of the removal of free market competition is what makes things so much more expensive to the benefit of the providers, to the benefit of the industries that benefit from this, you know, to the benefit of the pharmaceutical industry at the expense of the consumer. And so if you just stopped doing that and you just ask uh, and, and you just paid directly, this is the thing that British people need to ask themselves. Was it worth it? You know, now your pension is gone and it was because of the NHS. Well, wouldn't it have been better if you had something like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma and you just paid out of pocket when this thing came about? It's really not that difficult. You just find the procedure that you want. You get the price. You pay those great doctors the money that they need in order to do the surgery for you and you get on with your life. That's it. It's really astonishing. And it's just, what's really amazing for me, I mean, a lot of things are amazing, but one of the most amazing things about the current scam is you look at the British people and the British press today, you know, they're discussing, oh, well, no, everything is falling apart. Everything is bad. Tensions in the bonds. And thank God the Bank of England has intervened. And nobody mentions, and, 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 uh, and when they're trying to uh, place the blame, they're all placing the blame on the new prime minister, Liz Truss, and her treasury chancellor, Parting, as if those guys are what <laughs> ruined everything. You know, they, the, the, the Ponzi was going perfectly well for a hundred years of fiat scams. And then these guys come into the office last week and they ruined everything in one week. And they've ruined everything by passing this, just, this new budget that's going to ruin everything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You know, the, the, the insolvency has been baked in for decades. The idea that you could keep this Ponzi running indefinitely is insane. You can't keep the Ponzi running indefinitely. It has to stop. And it was going to stop at some point. And yeah, it's going to stop. You know, it's not going to be BlackRock that's going to go hungry. It's not going to be JP Morgan that's going to go hungry. It's you. <laughs> it's you, the person who thought this whole thing was done for you. It's, you know, it's the citizen who's been voting for this stupid insanity for decades, thinking, oh, they're out there looking out for me and helping me make my life better and giving me free healthcare. Nope, you're the one that's gonna foot the bill for all those things. And that's what's happening right now. Nobody draws the connection. Nobody's saying, oh, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have spent the last 20 years invading random countries that didn't do anything to us and wasting all of our money on that. Nobody says, hey, maybe we should have had something like a free market in healthcare so that people just pay directly and so that the producers have to compete and so that the producers have to be efficient rather than just continuously getting more and more expensive. Hey, maybe we shouldn't have had a monopoly on the healthcare system so that pharmaceutical companies and food producers capture that monopoly and tell that monopoly to tell everybody to eat poison so that they can make the food industry more profitable and get sick and make the disease industry more profitable. Absolutely zero introspection. Again, 
the world is run by children. We've replaced all of these infrastructure, critical infrastructure, instead of having real people in charge, we now have children in charge and they just don't understand how any of this thing work and they just throw tantrums. Yeah, the central bank should just step in and save us. The central bank should just print money so that we can all afford energy. The central bank should just print money so that we can afford all the healthcare that we want forever. Well, that was... Uh... That was depressing, but thanks for joining guys. Always fun to vent. <laughs> I guess we'll see you next week. We'll have William Happer. Yes. Excellent. We're going to be discussing the climate. And Alex Epstein, right? And Alex Epstein. That's right. Yes. We've yeah. got two seminars next week. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I'll see you guys next week.